HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I hope they're all listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today we have episode two of our three-part delivery series. You know, ever since 2020 and the global pandemic, food delivery Grocery delivery, restaurant delivery, coming to your home, coming to people's homes has become much, much more important than it was previously. It became a lifeline. It became essential to people's lives. The survival of the restaurant industry became tied to delivery. And what once was kind of a nice convenience became something more essential. And along with that, the people who were delivering our food became essential workers. But third-party delivery apps dominating the space and the stock market in some instances are really driving the policies and the payments for consumers and restaurants. And how does that impact the workers, the restaurants, the people actually delivering the food? There's an expression called the last mile. And the person who brings the food from the restaurant or the grocery store to your home is bringing it the last mile. It's such a complex, important story that we decided to do a three-part series. The first episode was last week, episode 242, and we took a look at how delivery actually works from the financial side, from a business side. And we spoke with Claire Brown, who's a writer at The Counter, and Elaine Russell, who runs a venture capital fund, Graycourt, out in California. How does a company like DoorDash make all their money? You know, DoorDash is predicting that they are going to have between $9.4 and $9.9 billion in sales in the second quarter. If they do $10 billion a quarter, that's going to be a $40 billion year in terms of sales, which is enormous. And something of that size is definitely having an impact on our lives. Today, we are going to take a look at the last mile and the delivery people and the people who actually physically take the groceries, and the food from the business to your door. We're going to be talking with two people today, 
to take a look at this. Glendy Sitoris, who is an organizer. She works with the Workers' Justice Project and Los Deliveristas Unidos. Glendy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And we are also joined with Juan Carlos, who is a delivery person. Juan Carlos, thank you for joining us also. Uh, thank you for the invitation, man. So let's, just to sort of set the framework for the storyline of what's happening, let's um, start with Juan Carlos. Back in 2020, you're a chef, and you were working in a restaurant. And back in 2020, the pandemic happens, and the restaurant closes. And then what did you do? Well, um, the, that day, like, like probably like four days before the, the everything got closed in, in New York City, uh, I was like, I was a chef and a freelancer, and I do my private events on my own. So I have a contract in California on March 12th. So I had to um, fly to California to do that private event. And then I was going to spend the whole weekend in California when I got a call from the restaurant that it was going to close uh, for, the, for, for the whole week. So I was like, oh, might as well. I'm just going to change my flight and I'm going to stay for, for, for the week because the, the place was going to be closed. And then next thing you know, you see what happened with, with all the uh, restaurants got closed for uh for until whatever the, the reopen again. And then I ended up staying in California for three months. And then when you came back? Yeah, when I came back, it, it was they, they were still closed. The, pande and the pandemic, I mean, we still struggle on uh, different places that they haven't opened yet. And a lot of uh, restaurants went out of business. And the place that I used to work, they just recently reopened the, the place. And at what point did you decide to become a delivery driver? When, you know, it was, uh, I start like, because uh, you have to apply first. And then my, uh, <clears throat> one of my friends works uh, for for uh, DoorDash, and he mm -hmm. told me how much money he was making. And then um, he actually introduced me to this new thing. And then he says, uh, you know, you have to apply, but you have to wait. If you get accepted, then they're going to send you like a little package of uh, uh, like letting you know that you are, that, that you are accepted for, to work on the company. So it took me like a month or so to get uh, accepted for the, uh, the app. And then I start working in February, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, that's how I uh, started working for, for DoorDash. So then if we go back to 2020, um, the delivery drivers had already, you know, had already been working a great deal and delivery and the third party apps had become more and more popular. And the workers, the delivery workers started to join together back in March 2020, which is sort of the same time the pandemic started. Um, Glendy, can you tell us what was happening back in March of 2020 that brought people together? 
Um, yes, so Worker Justice Project, Worker Justice Project is a not-profit organization, right? Basically, in March, we were, like, um, supporting the delivery workers, but not in, like, you know, how we are now. So we have a member, few members that they were doing delivery. So they came to our, our office because in this moment, you know, everything closing, many, you know, workers that were doing construction, they moved to the deliveries. Or many uh, workers that they were uh, working directly from the restaurant, they got fired. So, and they came to, the, to our organization, like, looking for help and trying to see, like, what you guys have here in this moment, we were giving, you know, providing food. Um, and like, we didn't know what can happen in this moment because the pandemic just started. So, and by April, so what happened is like, uh, the members, they start, you know, saying like, that just wasn't just a, a small group of delivery workers. There was a lot, a lot of delivery workers. So, and they start bringing those delivery workers to our organization and we start talking. So, and, and the first thing that they start saying was like, talking about the workers' conditions. And the first thing that they came in this, in this moment was the access to bathroom, you know, because everything was closed. So they, they were saying like, we had to be to allow ourselves outside and we don't have access to bathrooms because uh, they were they start working between 9:30, sometimes 11, and they finish by 10 p.m. So they say like they start saying like so when we need to go to the bathroom, we had to like go back to our homes or or we had to like stop working because you know we cannot find a bathroom when we pass to the restaurant and deny the bathrooms. And this was the first issue that they came with. So then. We're in April and May, and after the issue of where do people go to use a bathroom because the city's essentially closed, and if you work a 12-hour day, it's going to happen. It's going to come up at some point. In May, also the city's still closed, not a lot of people out, but crime starts to go up. Is that right? Exactly. So, you know... They just know we're dealing just with the uh, uh, bathroom issues and uh, workers' conditions, you know. But they were dealing with the crime. So, and a lot of assaults, a lot of bike theft started increasing. And they, and one day they came desperate to our office and saying, like, we need to do something. We don't know how, you know, survive. So we are on the streets. So we are, like, um, uh, being harassed from the from customers, from, you know, uh, the apps. The apps were saying, you know, saying threatening messages like, don't uh, park your bike in front of the restaurant or don't ask for the, rest, for the restaurant because you're going, your account is going to be deactivated. And we started, you know, listening a lot, a lot of issues that we weren't, you know, you know, thinking this is insane how, you know, uh, you can, you know, be treating people like that. So by... I think June, so they start talking about, like, let's do something. Let's go to the street. Because before the pandemic, you know, nobody was talking about the liberistas. So, and they start saying, like, we've been talking with uh, officers 
saying what's going on about crime and nobody pay attention. And this moment they start organizing and they start bringing more people and they start saying like, we're going to do, we want to do a rally. So, and this is when we start saying like, okay, we're going to support So by, I think this was in September last, last year, so they decide to do a, a, a rally to show to the show up to the city that they exist, that they you know have a lot of problems and they and something needs to be fixed in that moment. So and the most important for them was the crime, so the bike theft. And so and they decide to do the first rally. So in this rally, we you know coordinate with another uh, uh, Facebook groups and the, and and we start posting in Facebook like you know inviting all the deliveristas to go to the rally, and we uh, have in the first rally around 800 people, and, you know, we're amazing because we thought, like, you know, how, you know, we didn't know how many delivery workers were in the city, and this is how we started, you know, and we did that this first rally, so we, we had the opportunity to have a lot of media there, so, and this is when the moment they start, like, you know, that people started, like, saying, like, oh, my God, we have a tons of delivery workers here. And by uh, December, so, yeah, the group started increasing, increasing, and, you know, uh, we start talking with other groups. And then um, this is how we start, you know, building Los Deliveristas Unidos. So if people are interested in taking a look at the organization um, while you're listening to this episode, you can go to the website, which is losdeliveristasunidos.org. It's a nonprofit organization. And on the website, they have the list of things that they are fighting for. They and it's a it's a pretty simple list. It's on the homepage of the website. They are looking for um, basically five things. Number one is the right to use the restroom from the restaurants that they're working in. Number two is the right to a living wage and hazard pay. Hazard pay is because it's a pandemic and they're you know, coming into contact with people um, in times, you know, in times when no one was supposed to be in contact with anyone at all. Um, point three is essential protections from e-bike robberies, wage theft, and health and safety hazards. I mean, to be protected from robbery and theft is, is something that I think most of us expect to have when we leave our homes every day. Number four is the right to use uh, public space to eat and rest and be protected from extreme weather. Um, and number five is the right to organize. So, um, Glendy, how did they come to these, these five points and um, how do people receive them when you talk to um, the media, different groups, politicians? So we have started with this five, six points, because uh, this is what the, is the priority, priority for the workers. So, and we've been talking with many, many workers around your city. And you know, this is, those are the basic needs that they are looking for. It's not something like you say, like, oh my God, they are, you know, looking for, you know, big things. It's something basic, you know. Mm -hmm. the, those delivery workers, they don't have any protection you know, because they are considering um, independent contract. So the apps, they don't have any responsibility with them. So what they do is like, you know, just send these people to work without training, without uh, giving like, you know, 
basic rights, for example, like, you know, give at least uh, the bags to deliver the food. They are now, you know, the apps are not providing any equipment for deliveristas to do this job. So that means the delivery worker had to pay everything. When a bike, you know, get stole, the delivery worker don't lose just uh, the bike, lose the job because, you know, the cost of the Daiva is, is a lot of, a lot of money is around two thousand, so and it's very difficult to get you know you know the the bikes. So and we are just you know looking for basic needs, and and I think one of the the, the most important for us is the minimum pay that is you know essential. Like you say when you start, uh, DoorDash is making tons of money, and not just DoorDash, all the apps and delivery workers are not making the minimum wage. Delivery workers sometimes they just can just make like three, four dollars an hour. Because when you sign to, to those apps, sometimes uh, you know they offer you that they, you're going to make like twenty-two dollars an hour, but that's not true. The reality is when you go to the to the field and start doing delivery, so you never get an order. And sometimes just you get an order for like three, four dollars. Um, uh, uh, order, but you don't get more delivery. They said, okay, you know, this is an amazing job, and they, this is how they, they sell to the people. But it's not the reality. And besides that, we have a, a very important issue that is the transparency. The workers, they don't know how, how much tip they are getting for the customer. So the apps are not disclosure, you know, how much they are getting. So and many times, uh, the customer say to the delivery, person like, I give you like $20 in tips, and what is that, that the delivery worker just are getting the half? When they go and complain with the restaurant or with the app, they said, we don't know. So, and so the app, they don't want to show them like, you know, this is how much the customer gave to you. It's something that they are hiding and we, we want transparency, you know? So there's a couple different sort of uh, groups are sort of different categories of things that they're looking for. I would say that this list of the five things that I read off, number one is specific to the role of a delivery person, the right to access the restroom at the rest at the restaurants. But the living wage, the hazard pay, the protection from theft, the right to use public space, and the right to organize, I think those are all things that anybody listening to this podcast is going to expect to have in this life. Those don't seem to be extraordinary, extraordinary things. On the contrary, they seem to be things that we all expect to have um, in our lives. I expect fully to leave my apartment and not get robbed. I expect to be able to go sit in a park. I expect to be able to protest if I want to. And I do expect to be able to work and, and earn a living. Exactly. In terms of in terms of the in terms of the apps, the apps themselves, the third-party apps, the third-party delivery services, um, we did an episode back, um, episode 184, it's called Grubhub Gate. And that was a story where Grubhub was building websites for individual restaurants without the restaurants knowing. And um, consumers would go and say, oh, look, I'm at the um, restaurant website, I'm going to order directly with them. You know, I understand somewhere that ordering directly from the restaurant helps the restaurant, but
But in fact, then Grubhub would turn around and, and charge the restaurants a marketing fee or a customer fee for giving them that business. So that was something that happened. Um, you know, we have heard from restaurants also where they don't have a lot of transparency sometimes into what the business is and the fee structure and things like that with some of these third-party apps. Um, and so it it's not surprising to hear that workers, delivery workers, have the same kinds of questions. What I think is important for people to understand is um, it's not always transparent where the money and the fees are going. And I think to your point, um, tell, tell us about the understanding between the consumers who get deliveries and the delivery workers. are Does everybody understand the same thing? Do you think there's um, information that people need to know about how things are working? Yeah, so the customer, they don't understand, you know, what's going on. The customer assume that every, whatever they are paying, for example, tip is going directly to the, to the delivery worker. So that, I think the customer assume that, you know, um, they're going to, that the delivery worker is going to be able to see, you know, how much uh, the app is, uh, how much they are paying to, to the to the restaurant, how much they are paying to the delivery worker. But, you know, that's not true. So, and because this is many, many apps, they were different. So one, they show a little bit information, but another, they don't show, you know, information. So the other thing that is getting like confused, you know, to the customer is the fee they are charging to the restaurant. Because sometimes they said um, delivery fee. So they assuming the that, you know, it's including the tip. So, and sometimes, you know, uh, because the distance are huge, you know, the delivery fee is, you know, it's more money. So when they come to see, to do a, a you know, make, give a tip, so the customer is like, you know, I am paying a lot of money for this delivery. So and sometimes, you know, the customer, you know, assume that, you know, it's include some you know money for the for the delivery worker, but it's not true because the delivery worker is just getting the tip, and some like you know a month of you know, like two three dollars for for that delivery, but it's almost nothing. For example, I've been here delivery workers saying that they try like four miles, four four five miles, and they just get like five dollars for the delivery. So does mean like you know the customer already pay a lot of money for the delivery fee and the worker is getting nothing in the end. However, you know, this is comes to like, you know, one hour driving, that's being like, you know, for the delivery worker, just five, six dollars an hour. So where do things stand now? We are in the summer of 2021. Um, things are opening back up, restaurants are open, uh, people can go and eat in, in restaurants and outside, people can go to grocery stores, we're no longer sheltering in place, um, we don't have the same degree of uh, risk with the virus when we go outside. How is it with delivery people now? Um, is are, are things getting better? Is there same work, less work? Um, then we also read quite a bit about how the restaurant industry is really looking for staff and workers. Do you think that, um, are you hearing that people will go from delivery back to restaurants or what, yeah. what's happening right now? 
it's definitely less worker from some delivery delivery workers, but what they are doing is like working as a part time because you know the restaurant are not giving them full time, so and they need to have like another job in order to you know to live in New York City. So what they are doing is like they were like three four times and and four days I'm sorry in, in the restaurant and after you know the rest of the the week they do deliveries, but you know um, they. The apps are still, you know, providing, you know, a lot of deliveries. So, and many people that they don't want to go outside because it's too hot or one day it's raining. So uh, the work is still is there and the risk, you know, is still there too. And what has been um, your, what has been the reaction um, from different organizations that you've reached out to? You're now working with some different groups to put these things forward and, and hopefully make some progress. Yeah, so we've been working with uh, uh, with uh, other you know unions and other organizations, but now we are like focusing past those six bills that are going to change the life of delivery workers. And for us, it's very important, you know, to 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 have those bills passed and you know have the the support of the of other organizations. And you know, make sure those bills pass. For example, the access to bathrooms, the minimum wage, and the transparency and tips. The you know, provide spaces like you know, when they can warm it up, or they can, or, or where they can eat. So this is you know, some our legislation that is going to like you know, change the life of the workers and and this industry, you know, because. This industry is not in regulated, and it's the first time that, that somebody is doing something, and it's the first time that gig workers are getting, you know, organized, especially here in New York City, with delivery workers doing this job by bike, and you know, immigrant workers. Tell us, tell us um, more about this bill. What, what's the name of it, and where is it being presented, and and what are your hopes for having it passed? Yes, so we uh, we introduced the six legislations like the last month, and we hope by September, you know, they get passed. And you know, like I say, like we are looking for um, minimum payment, like you know, have a something this, you know, a dignity salary. So we we want like uh, controlling in the distance. We want the delivery worker can, you know. Take a decision if they take or not take the orders when they had to cross bridges, for example, or when they had to to drive like you know 20, 25, 30 minutes. So we want um, this bill passed because uh, many cases when the delivery workers deny an order that they don't want to take it, what they get is a bad review, and and this is end with a. a deactivating their accounts. The other that is so important for us is that the minimum, I'm sorry, the transparency, like I say, uh, we want the delivery worker to be able to see how much money they are getting for that for that customers. And we want also a bill that is very important is no fee payments. Actually, those apps are charging to the workers when they get paid, for example, you know, uh, DoorDash, they charge a lot of, uh, like $2 every time that they get paid or they want to, they pay in advance. We want they provide insulate bags or the equipment, you know, that is like simple to do this job. We want like, you know, provide all the materials that they need 
in order to do this job. Well, I wish you all really the best of luck and and keeping um, keeping keeping people aware and keeping um, your voices to tell the story. Um, it's an important one, and you know if we have recognized anything over the course of 2020 and the global pandemic, um, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of um, things that we need to maybe take a look at and fix. And people are very vocal now, and they're aware of things. And you know people want to know what is happening um, in their communities. They want to know what's happening um, with businesses. They want to know when they spend their money, um, where does that money go? And how does that impact you know, their community and, and the people around them? Um, we are going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk with Juan Carlos about his experience as a delivery driver. Um, and while we're on the break, you know, these are important stories. And if you think these are important stories, um, that need to be heard, that you want to hear, that you want to hear and share with uh, people in your community, share with people in other countries. Now's the perfect time to become a member of Heritage Radio Network. We are also a nonprofit. We are also a part of our community, and we also need you to help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. Stay with us. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. We are talking about delivery on Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is third-party delivery apps. It is part two of our delivery series. How do the delivery apps work was episode part one. 
Today we're looking at Los Deliveristas Unidos, which is a workers group of delivery drivers that came together in 2020. And they are looking for really basic things, right to access the restrooms, living wage, hazard pay, protections from theft, the right to use public spaces, the right to organize. And they're looking for more transparency from the third-party app companies like DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats, um, so people can really understand where the money goes when you have a delivery charge or a delivery fee. A lot of times, customers think it's a tip for the driver, and most times it's not. So joining us now, we have Juan Carlos, who is a delivery driver, and um, Juan Carlos, you started um, doing delivery after your restaurant closed. You work as a chef. You have a, a, a private business also as a chef. What was the appeal for you of going into delivery? The guy who got me into it uh, told me how much he was making. But, like, he was working uh, even before the pandemic. He was, he, I think he started, like, two or three years ago. So basically, he has a good record, and that's why he makes that kind of money. So but when I saw it and I saw how much he was making, I was like, hey, let's, let me give it a try. You know, I wasn't doing anything. I was just, you know, things started getting, like, reopening again. So and like you said, I, um, I do private events on my own. Uh, I do catering. And I was started getting, uh, like, a little contracts for uh, certain amount of people. So basically, if you work for a restaurant, you cannot be able to do those private events because then in restaurants, the most of the time it's uh, the weekends when you are you making more business. So I was like, let me give it a try. I'm gonna work during the week, see how much I can make, and see if I can be able to survive with what I make on the weekends. So how was the process of becoming a delivery driver? You mentioned it at the beginning of the show that it took about a month for you to get everything organized and in place. Can you walk us through a little bit what you had to do to get in place to become a driver? Oh, yeah, yeah. You have um, you have to fill it up an application. They check all the paperwork and everything. And it's like Uber, if you don't have a social security, then you didn't get accepted. So, but there's other companies that uh, allow you to work with the IT number, and um, and then you fill it up an application. They review all the application, and then if you get accepted, that's when they send you the response over uh, email, and then they send you a little package that you uh, that you can be able to start work at any time. So what did you need to have in terms of equipment and a bike and things like that to make deliveries? Well, first of all, you need to get yourself a, a bike, either bike. I mean, you it's your choice. It depends on how fast you want to go and how far you want to go. Because if you don't get a, like an electrical bike, if you get a regular bike, you, you know it's going to take you uh, more time to get to wherever you want to go. And like that's why most of the guys we all get electrical bike because it's easier, it's more practical, and then it's 
you can go faster and try to make more money. And the more deliveries you make, the more money you make. And how much do the electric bikes cost? They're around from uh, $1,500 to uh, $2,000. If you can find them. At one point during the pandemic, there was a big shortage on bicycles. That, they're actually running out of bicycles. And because a lot of people got into it because there was like a construction and delivery, I think, was the most popular uh, works uh, at that time because most of the restaurants that were closed and, and everything else. And if you remember, like, pretty much the city closed down. I mean, everywhere they closed down. So, uh, I, like I said, I wasn't here when that happened. But I knew from my um, friend that he told me that that was the only options that they have to um uh, make some money and trying to pay all the bills because there was no other way. And like most of the guys that I know, they all were, they all used to work in a restaurant. But since all the restaurants they were closed, so they decided to um, start doing deliveries. And when they see the difference that they can take any day off or that you can start working anytime you want, I mean, it's different. So the ability to make your own schedule and work as many or as few hours as you want to was also part of the appeal, in contrast to restaurants. But that's without being saying that they can do that because they were working before the pandemic. So basically, they had a good record. And there wasn't too many workers back then. So but since this thing that is so popular like everybody wants to work now as a delivery you've said a couple times he has a good record if you have a good record explain to us what you mean when you say has a good record because it's very specific to being a delivery person and working with the apps okay uh this is what it is um you have like uh they, they qualify all you the the way you work you don't have a boss right right next to you telling you what to do, but they they can manage everything over the over the app. So they send for example, they send you an order that you are in my hand and that order has to go all the way to New Jersey or to Queens. If you don't accept that to deliver that order, you lose points. So they give you a good a, a bad point because you didn't accept the order. So there, there's a qualification on acceptances. There's a qualification on the time that it takes you from wherever you pick the delivery and to the place you have to deliver the food. And if you don't make it on time, they also give you a, 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 a better qualification. And if you don't have a communication with the customer, they're not going to rate your service. And what you look for is to have like, four to five stars so you can have a good record for uh and good reviews on your app so when you reach a certain amount of uh, deliveries during the month that's when you what that's when they're gonna promote you to be a top dasher why if you're in a spot that there's no orders to pick up or there's People that already have a schedule, they they got into making a schedule for the rest of the week. So basically, you're the last person they're gonna be called to do a delivery. For example, right now, 
I don't know what happened. I was a top dodger. And then a lot of a sudden, they took that away from me. And right now, if I go out and work, for example, if I log in in my hand right now, if I make $50, that's too much. Because since I'm not a top dodger and I don't have, I'm not in the schedule of, of, the, of the app, so they send you a very rare orders. Like maybe you can make six or seven deliveries or 10 deliveries if you're lucky during the whole day. And we're talking about like, then we're talking about like from eight to 10 hours. It's an interesting point that you make that you don't have a, a boss or a supervisor or a coworker or someone from the company um, seeing you during the day or next to you or physically, you know, checking in with you. So the companies use the, the essentially the companies use the the numbers the the numbers and your cell phone of how many things you accept, how long it takes, yes. the ratings, and then they give you points and a score, and then you can move up or down in terms of the opportunity that you then receive based on that score. And for you to be able to work, you have to share your location with the app. So they know exactly where you are. So they know where you are when they give you the job to go to New Jersey yeah. or Queens. Yeah, they that's know that you that's going to be five or six or 10 miles away. Exactly. They know exactly where you are and they know exactly where you go. Because they have all the, uh, they have all the address. And, and meanwhile, even if you move in, uh, since you're sharing your location with, with, the, with the app, so they know exactly where you are. So you worked very hard and you became, you had a great score and you were at the top and then all of a sudden you weren't. No, because I don't know if it, if it was because I called them and tell them about an accident that I have. And uh, one of the um, persons that works for this company, when I called, they told me, oh, you should tell us so maybe we can help you with something. And I said to them, I said, no, I explained them. And I told them what happened. And the only thing they told me is like, feel better and go home. We're going to uh, call the restaurant to do the order again. And we're going to send someone else to get it and deliver it. So, And to, uh, to give a sense of what the accident was, it was a, a wet street and a pedestrian stepped out from between some parked cars and you basically, you know, did brakes and skidded and, and were in an accident on your own by yourself to avoid hitting that person. Oh, in the first, and, and then, then when I called them back about to, to explain them what happened, they told me, oh, but you know, do you work on your own? It's like, uh, uh, we're not responsible for that. I was like, I know you're not responsible for it, but I'm working for you. And I heard that you guys provide some kind of insurance. So they sent me the applications and everything, but I got so disappointed that I was trying to do like do everything right so I can keep my good scores and everything. I still have the good scores. And on acceptance, on um, like um, all the reviews from the customers, they like me because I'm always jogging around, uh, you know, trying to be nice to them and, you know, trying to, best, uh, trying to do the best of what I can do so I could keep my good reviews and be able to keep to be in a top dasher. 
And my other question was like, uh, from depending on how many deliveries you make, and if you have a big bag, so you'd be able to do like a bigger uh, deliveries. So what I did was I asked them, what else do I need to become um, uh, not a top dasher, but to make um, the uh, catering deliveries? Because that's where the money is. Like you can make more money if you make like big deliveries. What it's when they cost more uh, more money. The more sometimes the more the uh, orders cost. That's when you make a little extra money. So you had to take time off after your accident, and that when you came back, you were no longer the top top status. No, I did have that for uh, the next two months. Uh, no, for the next month. Uh, and then, like I said, I start the month it's still being a top dodger. That's when you can connect anytime you want, and then you can log off anytime you want in any place. But the best place for us to make money, it's in the city. If you work out of the city, you might going to be able to make some money, but not as much as you make in the city. That's what I see. And I, I tried the Bronx. I tried um, Junkers because that's where it's near from where I live. And the money, it's a big difference. Is it the density of Manhattan or the city, the density of the population, and then just the number of orders? You need to hit a volume of orders to really make good money? But like... Yeah, but like before, I uh, would say like when I first start, even the the, the people uh, were good. But lately, the money it's changing. It's not it's not as much as it used as it used to be before. So you say people, the tips are changing, and is the money changing because of what restaurants and customers are giving you, or is the money changing because there's more delivery people and less work, or what do you what do you think the difference is now? Okay, there's more delivery people, a lot of them, a lot. If you pass by in the afternoon by 14th Street, uh, Times Square or anything, it's like more than 20 guys waiting on the, on, on the busiest restaurants, it's like, the closer you get to the business restaurants is when you have more opportunities to get an order from that place. And some, uh, it's like, you know, which places they pay more. So that's where you go and you park right next to it, waiting for an order. But since we all know how it works. So that's how people get uh, there and, and to, to the place. And maybe sometimes that's why uh, the, the the owners of the restaurants, they are not allow you to be right next to it because of the the the, the clientele the, the they're sitting in the, um, on the sidewalk. Because you were mentioning to like have a a place at least to stay if it's too cold or if it's raining or if it's too hot, and the first thing they tell you, oh wait outside. Can I use your resume? No, customers only. So there's a lot of things that the people don't realize sometimes that we don't have a, a base or a place to go and take a break or go to the, use the restrooms or uh, to at least stay for a little bit and warm up when it's so cold outside. Or, you know, or if it's like right now, if the temperatures are so hot, at least to have a place to, 
they, they have air conditioning. They can stay there for like five four, or ten minutes. It's such a challenging, hard job to do. You know, it's physically hard. I thought it was. You're outside. I thought it was going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're dealing with so many different issues, the points, the ratings, the customers, being outside for 12 hours a day, 10 hours a day. Do you think that you're going to stay with delivery? Are you going to go back to restaurants? Do you think now that restaurants are open, um, del- some delivery people will migrate back to working in restaurants or you know, other industries? Or do you think people will stay in delivery? <sighs> um. Honestly, I'm going to try. I actually applied for a different uh, company. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm waiting for uh, if, if they get accepted for uh, Graha. Mm-hmm. And start all over again with a different company and see how it works. Because I cannot afford to work in a restaurant for the whole week. Because um, I do my private events on the weekends. And thank God right. I have some, some events uh, every other week. And we wanted two events that I have during the month. I can say that I, I make pretty much what I used to make in a restaurant working for someone else. So it's a second job for you to supplement yes. your own business. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my, for me, my main thing is trying to get uh, the more events that I can for the weekends. Or sometimes when I don't have events, I, 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 I make food and, and I go to the uh to the parks, to the football fields, where um, a lot of people go to the parks. And I sell food over there on the weekends if I don't have an event. So what do you think for the future now? What's the one thing that the public and customers can do to make delivery work better? What, what would you like people to know or what would you like them to do if they were going to do something? Since now there's uh, too many ops, like people sometimes don't realize uh, the distances of ho- from where they order it. Sometimes they have like a chain of uh, like of the same restaurant right next to them, but it's since they don't care, they just choose any restaurant, and they don't they know the distances, but they pay the fee. The the uh, they take the order. And they don't care if it uh, it takes like five or seven miles to get to to where they live. So it's all about consideration of trying to think about where you're going to order from, like how far is it. And honestly, sometimes they have a restaurant right next door to where they can order and get also get delivered from them. But you know how it is when you look into the food, and sometimes you don't even know what to eat. And then for a little bit of a sudden, you'll be like, oh, I want to eat this from this place. And since you have the op, and then you looked at, at the place and they accept the order, of course you're going to order from, from, from them. Do you feel like you are working alone as a delivery person? Do you feel like you have a group of people with you, with Los Deliveristas Unidos? Do you, how do you feel when you're out there on the bike? Well, first of all, what you uh, the, the first thing that I felt when I first started, it's to be free, to be in the streets and to do whatever you want. And it's a good feeling because when you work in a restaurant, you have to be there no matter what. And you have to be there um, on a certain schedule that you, that you are on. Like I said, when you 
And I'm on top of a person that I, if I want to do something, I try to do my best so I can, you know, go to the next levels, trying to make more money and everything. But then when I, when I got this, they took that away from me to being a top doctor. It really disappointed me so bad that I'm like, ah, should I go back to a restaurant? But if I go to back to a restaurant, I'm not going to be able to do my catering. And I already have a few contracts that I uh, have to get ready. They already took uh, money from them because when, what I do is when I uh, want to make a contract, I, I take uh, the 50% of the money that they're going to pay and the rest I get it when it's done. So if I start working in a restaurant, I'm not going to be able to do those things. And they can sue me if I don't do the, 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 the event, you know? Yep. So it's 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 a difficult decision. Uh, like I said, I applied for this new. I mean, it's not new, but I uh, make an application for this uh, up for Grab. If I get it accepted, like I said, I'm still going to be working from Monday to Friday, house of delivery, and do my events on the weekends. Well, maybe after you've done that for a little bit, you can come back and you can tell us what the differences are between the apps from the delivery point of view. Uh, is there a way, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your catering services? Oh, there's actually, I have a, a web page on Instagram and um, on Facebook and also on YouTube. It's a uh, Sasson Villa. Spell that for us. I'm going to write that down myself. I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> That's okay. It's S is in song. Mm -hmm. A is in apple. C is in zebra. O is in Oscar. N is in Nancy. V is in Victor. I is in India. L is in Laura. Another L. And A is in apple. Okay, we will look that up. Um, Juan Carlos, I really want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. I want to thank Glendy Tesorius um, from the Workers' Justice Project and from Los Deliveristas Unidos for joining us. Uh, such an important story. Um, it's important to know where our food comes from. We talk a lot about that on Heritage Radio Network, where our food comes from. And where our food comes from is not just about the ground that it's grown in or the person who picked something from a tree or fished it out of the ocean. Where our food comes from is also the actual person who knocks on your door and hands you what you're going to have for dinner. Um, Please check out losdeliveristasunidos.org. They are also on Instagram, losdeliveristasunidos underscore New York. If you are interested in this topic, go back and listen to part one of this series, which is episode 242. We also have some other episodes. Episode 31 is Delivery Bad for Restaurants and episode 184, which is Grubhub Gate. Tune in next week for episode three of our delivery series, which will be The Future of Delivery. You can find all of these episodes at heritageradionetwork.org. We have a beautiful, brand new website, logo design. It's really spectacular. It makes it a lot easier for you to find something amazing to listen to in our 15,000 plus podcast archive. And while you're there at heritageradionetwork.org, 
take a stop and maybe join and become a member. We are a community of people who care about the world and the foods we eat. And we are also a 501c3 nonprofit. And we need members like you to help us keep the lights on and the mics hot to keep telling stories like this one. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bites is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.